Happy Almost Stuttering Awareness Week. It's been a blast celebrating. We've been busy passing resolutions in San Francisco and California and rallying at the Capitol in California. Check out ProudStutter.com for everything you need to know about Proud Stutter and how to get involved in Stuttering Awareness Week. Another thing I'm celebrating is winning a $35,000 grant for Proud Stutter to produce an audio documentary on Californians who stutter. If you are from California, live in California, and want to be involved in this project, please email me at info at proudstutter.com. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Benedict Sheehan, a person who stutters, and his wife, Talia Sheehan. We talk about the different types of speech therapy Benedict has tried over the years. I don't think I've ever met someone who stutters that has been through the many iterations of speech therapy he's had, but let me know if I'm wrong. I would love to hear from you. We also talk about his ADHD diagnosis and how that has impacted his relationship with his stutter. All right, let's get to the interview, part two. I'm Maya Chubkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. Welcome to Proud Stutter, a show about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. So Benedict, we spoke earlier in our conversation about speech therapy. And I was wondering if you can just talk about specifically your journey with the different types of of speech therapy you've had over the years. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, I think the earliest experience that I can recall of speech therapy was what what was, um, it was totally no help at all. It was just basically trying to get me to not, to not, to not stutter in a in a, a clinical context. I don't remember a, a, any of the details about what we did. I just I just recall that that I could easily reproduce the things he was trying to get me to reproduce. If I really try to isolate the act of speaking, or uh, there's other things like where you can slow it down so much that. Nobody will ever stutter if they're speaking <laughs> this slowly. Um, you know, so that's fine. I can reproduce that in a clinical context, but I must have at a very early age decided, or decided that I sounded much more like a moron if I spoke so slowly. I mean, I don't mean to denigrate anyone for whom that is actually the preferred technique. And, you know, if you have to talk like that, that's great. But for me, you know, my mind is just like, I was, I, I was, it was absolutely excruciating. And so, you know, as soon as I, I, I could reproduce these te- te- these techniques, but then as soon as I actually had something to say, I would just talk the way I always did. So that was my first experience. And then I don't think I ever, tr- I don't, I don't think I tried speech therapy again until I was maybe in early high school. But I did go to an event in New York with Martin, uh, Martin Schwartz, I think was the name. And uh, 
I went to one of the conferences and it was super expensive and it was like, it like promised this like 90 whatever something percent success, success, success rate. And, um, um, you know, it was like about passive breathing techniques or something like that. And you're like, they try you to breathe through a tube. And then it was basically all about breath flow. And cause, because he, he had found that a block is caused by, um, by the by the by locking of the vocal cords, which of course we now know it's caused by a number of things. It's not only that; that's one kind of a block. But anyway, you know, it. I tried it in the workshop, and I could, I could again reproduce the results in a clinical context. Um, but as soon as I actually talked, and I, like you were supposed to like sign a contract that you were gonna do all this homework and this practicing and there were like pages of worksheets and that sounds very exhausting <laughs> it was it was it was really challenging and so you know obviously it didn't really help me a lot um so that was one other i i also tried the um there was this thing you were supposed to put into your ear which was again really expensive i think called the speech the speech easy where it where it gave you delayed auditory feedback like it was basically like having an e e e echo on a tele telephone and again it was like they had claimed that they could cure stuttering and um i tried it for like i don't know maybe a week and i just like i had this thing in my ear and i couldn't even think i couldn't think what i was going to say i knew him then it so, was awful <laughs> yeah that and then and then i guess like probably my worst experience experience was I maybe this was tied to this speech this other speech therapist that I went to but this other speech therapist that I went to in, in college was basically like and again it was all about it was all about what I now know is called is called fluency management techniques which you know there are a set of them and they work well for some people they take a lot of practice, you know, again, it was like I had to concentrate on the discrete f physical action of speaking rather than trying trying to think of what I was going to say. And I always have things to say. So, and, but, but sh this, this particular speech th therapist just kind of drilled into me, I guess, to motivate me that like how, how just deeply un, un, un how deeply un, 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 uncomfortable it made other people to have to listen to people stutter. Um, wow. And so, you know, you basically, like, she basically made it seem like I was doing I was doing harm to everybody around me just by stuttering. Now, aside from the fact that it was patently untrue, because I had lots of friends who cared about me, and, like, I didn't, they didn't, treat act like I was doing injury to them but but also just it's like so so demoral demoralizing and discouraging it actually made my stuttering significantly worse because I got a compliment I got a complex about it you know it's just like like I mean of course I was all you know I obviously was all ready you know, 
ashamed of stuttering and embarrassed and afraid to talk in front of others. And um, but then, like this, just was just like just the next, the next, the next level. So in many regards, my stuttering is actually became permanently worse after that, and I'm still kind of like having to to process that. So it sounds like the first part of your speech therapy journey was more around fluency shaping and trying to hide the, the stutter. A lot of the therapists you were seeing seemed to take the approach of fixing and it was more about how you appear to others rather than what you feel inside. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about the second part of your speech therapy, the journey when you started you were exposed to more of the acceptance part of of stuttering. I don't even recall how it occurred, but I, I got con- connected up with the American Institute for for, for stuttering and got um got into wasn't um, it that basketball the basketball guy? No, no, that was a different thing. <laughs> you know, I actually had a phone call with them. Um, was it Michael oh. Kidd Gilchrist? No, no, the basketball guy. You mean I? I actually had a phone call with Bill. Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally drawing a blank on his name. A basketball star with the Boston, Boston, the Boston Celtics. He's in the Hall of Fame. I, uh, it, 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 it'll come back to me. But um, you know, I don't recall how I got connected up with 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 AIS, but. Um, I did, and I had a, like a twelve months of Skype therapy with Carl Her, Her with Carl Her, Her with Carl Her, Carl Her, Her, Carl Herder, who I know has been on your podcast, right? He's been on mm-hmm. your podcast, I, yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> that was really a life changer for, for me because it was. Um, he, my first meeting with him, he he asked me like, "What do you want to do?" I'm like, "I guess I want to, like, not stutter." He's like, well, "Okay, well, first, you're always going to be a stutterer, so there is nothing you can do about that." I was like, "I was like, oh, and like nobody had actually ever told me that." Um, and then, um, and then then he said like, "You could like we 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 could choose like you could try to." To, we, we could we could have as our goal the like to make it so nobody will ever know that you that you stutter. Um, he said it might work. It'll take a lot of time. It'll take a lot of commitment on your part, um, and it still might not really work in the end. He said, or I could work with you to help you be a better stutterer. Um, so I was like, well, what does that mean? Because, um, like, if you know, if, if it means like low commitment and not as much work on my end, then sign me up. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, and it basically just like all the things we're speaking about about like a- to advertise. You know, I worked on some specific techniques, and and I know I forgot about them too. He said you will. He said you'll forget about. About them when you want to have when you really have something to say. It's like okay, that's fine, but it's more like to really be, to really own it and to be like be be to be be able to say that you are a stutterer and this is who you are and 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 to not allow it to stop me from what I want to say and what I want to do. 
Um, so that was really kind of the the that that was the turning point for me. And this is in, in some ways it's allow it's a, that allowed me to do all the things that I'm doing right now. Um, you know, it's allowed me to be fine about being on a podcast <laughs> and speaking speaking on a recording. And I you know I've done. Over now, I've I've done this quite a lot on on a lot in a number of different contexts, and just you know, it's just part. It's just I've had to accept it as part of my identity. Um, but it's very it freed me a lot. So I'm really grateful for that. That was kind of like the happy ending to my speech therapy journey. <laughs> my speech therapy journey. Wow. I think you might've tried at least all the speech therapy techniques and, and tools that at least I've heard of. I've only had the school, the, the public school speech th- therapy, which I don't remember. I probably just, just somehow erased it from my <laughs> memory. Um, and then yeah. middle school, I had speech therapy where it was just fluency and, I was taught the same techniques of talking really slow, breathing certain ways, and I never practiced the techniques because I was never, so like, this is so unrealistic. Like, yep, like totally. I'm just going to say what I want to say because that's easier for me to do. Um, and my mom would always ask me, like, have you practiced your techniques? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, same, same, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, not really. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. I, I just would, I would absolutely lie and say I have. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. I'm, she'll probably be listening. I'm sure she point. knows. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure too. Okay, so all of this talk about being at workshops and t- speech therapists and stuff like that. So, sweetie, what was it like for you? I've actually never asked you this before. What was it like or what has it been like for you to speak to someone else with a speech difference? I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but like for a long time it made me really un it made me really un un, un it made me really un 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 un, un uncomfortable. Um and I think, you know, I think it's because so much of my own inner experience um, it's just basically, I mean, first of all, no stutterer really hears themselves the way other people do. Um, you know, so like I don't stutter when I th- when I think. Um, and a lot of what I hear inside is kind of I hear my th- my thinking or I hear my self-talk. And um, so when I actually like see somebody else who stutters, it's like, oh, that's what that's what I'm like. Um, and. And you know, I actually don't have the have the practice that you would expect, like processing some somebody who you know, because all the speech that I hear in my daily life on you know on 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 recordings or on TV or podcasts or anything, you know, it's like it's mostly flu- it's, it's all non stutterers. So um, when I actually meet somebody who's you know stutters it's like it's not the normal thing even for 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 me like i don't hear my my you know so so right i um so i've actually you know uh, one of the one of the ways that you know it's now not difficult for me because i've i've i because at some point i was like this is not okay like i have to be okay with 
other people stuttering <laughs> too. Um, um, but it's also helpful for me because it, you know, it, it you know, because, well, I would also add too that um, when I hear other stutters, it's also, dis it's like discouraging for me because it's like, wow, if it takes me, like, if it, if like I hear somebody that that way, and it's like I'm basically, who would even want, who would even want to to, to listen to to, to me? Um, so you know, it's part part of it is like it's like I have to expose myself to that. I have to. So I've I've tried. I've tried to to actually like talk with other stutterers and talk with them about their stuttering. And the big thing now, the big hurt. Hur hurdle I've been working to get over is to listen to myself on recordings, um, which, um, which that's is, awful for I think, everybody. I, I know it's awful for every. It's important to yeah. it's the prescription. The mind, um, that's the prescription that I give to vocals to, to voice students too. Record and the yourself. Kind of, yeah. The kind of physical response to learn that learning singers have to the sound of their own voice is is a it's a it's like visceral disgust. It's really yeah. intense. Yeah. It's really yeah. So intense. we all have to. We all. We all have to learn to be okay with who we are and what we sound 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 like. Yeah, and that is so funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about that more and more about how much more I love myself because I'm forced to hear myself talk all day long. <laughs> It's it's awesome. really like honestly the best therapy I could have ever given myself because for so long I've like equated my voice as like ugly and disgusting and like yeah. it was like one of the worst parts of myself and I just always felt uh, like I I sounded ugly and now I like I feel so much more confident in my voice and it's like it's so just like it's like a, a friend now because it's like I literally listen to myself mm. talk all day long and it's just like oh yeah that's me like and that's wonderful. and one of my friends was like helping me edit an episode and she's like you have such a great NPR voice and I was just like oh my god so it really like the more you that's get wonderful. comfortable with yourself and just experience those first few times where you feel uncomfortable listening to yourself sing or yeah. speech. It's just like, cause it's, it's really so human to not like the way your recorded voice sounds like, why is that? Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's so many things that are going on just like acoustically. We don't know. We don't recognize the sound of our own voices on recordings anyway, because the feedback we get is more bone conductivity and it's all muted and stuff like that. So what people see is something different than what we perceive anyway. But if there's already that level of like, I don't, I don't understand that sound that other people are hearing for someone without a speech difference, that, then with a speech difference, there's that much more pressure on that experience. So it doesn't surprise me at all that it would be a, that much more powerful therapy for you to do that incremental exposure and, and learn to hear all the beautiful sounds that other people hear in your voice because they're not doing the, like, what's that, what's that one negative thing? We're just we're right. not we're not doing that, um, right? So it's so nice that you know when you guys get to hear what we hear and what we like, and it's, it's beautiful. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So I myself I identify as neurodiverse because I've come to like 
experience that, you know, how I kind of view my stutter is like my brain is working faster than my speech can keep up with. And so that's kind of why I I identify with a lot of neurodiversity. And so Benedict, um, I hope I'm not kind of exposing you, but uh, you were, um, and if I am, just let me know, but we talked about you were diagnosed recently with ADHD. And I was wondering if you can tell us about that intersectionality around like ADHD and stuttering and how it's made you rethink your relationship with your stutter. Yeah, I'd be glad to. No, it, it that doesn't feel like you're like you're outing me at all. I I, I actually am weirdly kind of pr- proud of it. I <laughs> um, I love You've that. Been advertising um, very nicely. Yeah, I love I've, that. I've been basically telling every I've been basically telling everyone I meet. It's like the first. <laughs> It's like, hey, this is really cool, right? Um, well, people are celebrating um, with you too, though. That's an interesting thing. They are. What's well, the sense of like, okay, I'm f- 42, and now I'm, I may, 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 maybe I should be looking at this. Um, so yeah, I was recently di- di- diagnosed with 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 ADHD. Um, one of the things that really was like a surprise for me as soon as I started. Um, on my meds was um, was that I suddenly became, became like much more acutely aware of the actual act of speaking while I was speaking. It didn't mean that I couldn't think about what I was going to say. Um, so it and so like I I actually suddenly feel like I can pay attention to the technique of speaking in a way that I couldn't my entire life. Um, so I don't know where that's going to lead. This is still relatively new for me, but um, but what it made me it made me wonder like whether stuttering. Pl- plus ADHD was one of like the magical combinations for a persistent adult stutter. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much research there's been into this, but at least for me, it feels like, I mean, I mean, I I try not, I I don't have a goal and I try not to even articulate a goal that like I would someday like to not stutter. I actually don't want to not stutter. It's not like something that I feel like I need to change about myself. Um, But I I would like to stutter better. Um, You know, there, there are certain things that I you know, like that I do, like I was realizing, like just in very like granular techniques, like I, I, I know that I do a lot of what I think it's called lip modification, lip modification when I stutter. And that's a, a technique that stutterers sometimes adopt in order to kind of prevent a stutter or to, to con- kind of kind of subconsciously kind of conceal it, but to also continue making sound. And it's probably because like as a kid, like if I had a long repetition or a long prolong, 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 prolongation or a complete block, um, you know, those would be the t- times that I would either I would get teased about it or I would get in- interrupted. And so, um, you know, I div- I kind of came up with these I guess these te- te- these te- te- techniques that allowed me to continue making sound and continue holding the floor. Um, 
So anyway, being on medi- being on medication has actually just made me more able to pay attention to how I'm stuttering, to the kinds of stuttering that I'm doing. Um, So I feel like maybe I can set some goals for myself now that I couldn't before. Like maybe I'm going to like really deliberately do prolongations and not, and, you know, and, and allow myself to, 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 to do repetitions and, and even to like to work in some like deliberate stutters, which is a technique too, to like where you actually you stutter on, you stutter you know, you stutter de- deliberately even when you don't have a a, a block. Because um, I'm I'm finding I'm suddenly able to do that and to think at the same time. Wow. Um, so this is a very new thing for me, but I, I'm I'm really ex- I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, and if it doesn't change, I mean, it's like. I get into a, n- a noisy room, or I get into a high-pressure p- speaking situ- 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 situation, or into a lot of circ- you know where there's a lot of distra- distractions, um, and it all goes out the window. But but that's okay. I'm fine with that because then it's just that's what I always do. But but I, I'm able to. F- I, I'm feeling more. I'm feeling more positive about just being able to give some more attention to it. Yeah. And I think for listeners who might, you know, be wondering, you know, about those connections and whether they've recently been diagnosed with ADHD or not, I just think it's a really important part of the conversation because there's probably a lot of um, there's probably a lot more connections to ADHD and stuttering than we think. And it's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, nobody ever brought it up with me. I mean, I mean, they, I guess somebody wanted to di- to diagnose me with ADHD at in ninth grade. And my English te- te- teacher was like, you know, she's like, she didn't want me to get, she was an advocate for me and didn't want me to kind of get at that time, well, like it would have been like side sidelined a bit. It, it's like it's not the way it is now, where it's like there's much more understanding. Um, you know, so I mean, it's probably I've had it. I mean, obviously, I've had it my whole whole life. It's genetic. It's something in your brain you're born with. You know, it's so it's. Um, but but nobody ever brought up in my entire in my entire life that there could possibly be a connection between these two things so yeah i'd love to hear i'd love to learn more about it and hear i'd be happy to you know i'd like to hear from somebody else if there's like like some some kind of a some kind of a connection yeah so if there are any listeners out there that this really resonates with or you want to you know, you might have ADHD yourself or might be kind of on a similar journey. Just let me know and I'd be happy to connect you with Benedict because, um, yeah, it's it's easy to be isolated in these sorts of situations. And, um, yeah. 
Talia and Benedict, thank you so much for being on Proud Stutter. It's been such a wonderful conversation. Thank it's you really so been wonderful much. to talk with you. I'm really, I'm really, really grateful that you that you invited us to come on. And um, I'm a huge fan of what you're do, do, doing. I think this is really the work that you're do, do, doing for. For all of us, both for stutterers and non-stutterers, is really important to just to, to, to try to tell these to tell these stories and to reframe the discussion in some some way. So, um, so thank you. Yeah, I I want to say Maya that. Um, when I first met Benedict, I I was struck by how eloquent he was, partly because I felt like he really chose his words very carefully. Um, but I I do <laughs> I do believe um, for you know those those of you who are listening listening who are stutterers, I do believe that that it's possible that we need to listen to you speak um, almost maybe more than we need to listen to other people speak right now and that the experience of of what it's like to be a stutterer and and to have all these things that you want to express verbally and be discouraged from it that puts power behind those things and um just as someone without us this particular difference um who loves to listen to someone who stutters um i'd love to listen to more of you And that's it for this episode of Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced and edited by me, Maya Chupkov. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of a future episode, visit us at www.proudstutter.com. And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Want to leave us a voicemail? Check out our show notes for the, the number to call in. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you.